Book One, Chapter Six of the Sworn Brothers: A Tale of the Early Days of Iceland, by Gunnar Gunnarsson, translation by Claude Field and W. M. A. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Rita Boutros. Helga, though she had only lived for twelve winters, knew already a good deal of life. She knew what it was to be anxious for one whom she loved. Long before she was conscious of her love for Leif, she suffered all a lover's anxiety. Leif took her thoughts with him wherever he went and travelled, and she could never feel secure about him. She could, on the other hand, be sure that if she had not seen him for the space of a day, not to speak of the occasions when he was absent many days, that during that interval he had been once, or probably many times, near the border of the next world, and that it was at any rate only due to the incredible luck which always followed him that he came home with whole limbs she knew in fact the long days and still longer nights of waiting and anxiety she knew what it was to lie awake most of the night and see terrible sights she turned restlessly on her bed and neither dared to close her eyes nor to stare into the darkness because everywhere she encountered the figure of him she loved either dead or dying she had learnt to prize two things which a woman, who must generally miss and be anxious for him she loves, cannot live without, dreaming and work. She knew how small occupations shorten the day, and the relief won by showing love to animals, being kind to them, and lavishing kind words upon them, and she experienced the joy it gives to be loved by dumb creatures. It was known to her also how the way is made easy to the land of dreams, where the hours fly quickly, by busying one's hands with needle and thread. When she sat making something ornamental for herself, or small gifts for him, there were moments when she seemed to triumph over distance, and felt her friend so near that she suddenly let her hands sink, looked up, and was quite surprised that he was not standing behind her. Was it because she did not look up quickly enough? Just before, he had been standing there. Helga, with her twelve short winters, knew also happiness. There was the happiness of seeing Leif come home radiant, and hearing his dear glad voice tell of great adventures. Leif always came across great adventures, so that his tongue nearly ran away with him. There was the joy of noticing that his eye always sought her first, and really only her. It was a joy that he never found rest when near her, except at her side, and that he could only be quiet and lose himself in dreams when she held his hand. It was a joy, finally, to see him forget everything, even herself, when he had some purpose in his head, or was bent upon going to some other place. Even the pain at seeing herself thus forgotten was mingled with the deepest feelings of joy, for that was just Leif's way— he came so near her by leaving her. She loved him exactly as he was, regardless of limits and without consideration, because he was one of those whom no bond holds. It was such a happy thing to know that he was hers, when he only remembered it, hers and no one else's. And besides, she knew that she could not cease to love him. She was so completely convinced that though in knightly bravery and unbounded courage he might perhaps have an equal, he could not have a superior. 
It was impossible for her to cease loving him. Yes, Helga knew happiness. She knew what it was to love and to feel herself beloved. She knew by experience how absence deepens and intensifies affection. She felt how her latent longing slowly grew and was prepared to burst all bonds. She possessed in full measure woman's pure and unbounded devotion. Matured early as she was, Helga often reflected on the relation between Leif and her brother Ingolf, which caused her distress. She was fond of her brother. Ingolf, though fundamentally different from Leif, was such that if she once had to leave him in order to follow Leif, she would not make Leif so complete and happy as she ungrudgingly wished him to be. Therefore the great difference in their characters caused her perpetual anxiety, an anxiety which flamed up anew whenever Leif and Ingolf became angry with each other, or even a little at variance. In her heart she accused them alternately, Ingolf when his phlegmatic character irritated Leif, and Leif when, by his hastiness and teasing, he provoked Ingolf. Neither Leif nor Ingolf had any suspicion of Helga's deep distress each time a trivial misunderstanding divided them for a short time, for Helga concealed her anxiety and fought her battle in silence. She was always on the watch for the fluctuations in their temperaments. She could always perceive when they had been at variance, even when they had been reconciled and had forgotten what had occurred before they met her. When anything concerned them, she was as sensitive as a feather in the wind, and she did not cease till she had examined the cause of their disagreement to the minutest detail, and cleared away the remnants of ill-humor which might still remain in one or both of their minds. They felt sometimes that it was a little tiresome being called to account in this way, but they reconciled themselves to it, because both were so fond of her, and because she was wise, quiet, and impartial. They did not guess at all that she fought for her future happiness with a heart torn by anxiety, that her calm had been won by a severe struggle, that her seeming cool, wise impartiality was a screen behind which she concealed herself. Helga was the only one who, to a certain extent, discovered the real circumstances connected with their journey over the heath. She was also the only one who discovered that they had separated, and separated in anger. Finally, she was the only one who obtained a truthful account of the slaughter of the horse. Originally, it was by no means their intention that she should find out anything of the matter. When Ingolf and Leif had slept uninterruptedly for twenty-four hours after their return from Gollum, they woke the second night towards morning, hungry and depressed, and began to examine the situation. They hastily agreed only to say that they had ridden over the heath, and up there had been obliged to kill their only horse, and for the rest to maintain an obstinate silence. If Orn and Rodmar were in the mood to punish them, they must submit, and for the rest ride out the storm as well as they could. They had soon discovered that Orn and Rodmar had more important things to think about. It was enough for them that the boys had returned home, safe and sound. They told them seriously that it was not the custom of a man of honor to break a promise once given, and that, since they had done that, they could not yet be accounted men. That hurt their feelings, rather, but had to be borne. 
in golf and leaf discovered once more that one escapes most cheaply when one has been most anxious so lightly did their fathers deal with them with helga it was another matter she held on and held on for many days they fought manfully they did not want to make her their confidant in the matter but she was not to be shaken off and at last there came the moment when their tongues were altogether loosed and she got a full account down to the minutest details it happened in the following way their plan of defence had been to take care that neither should be alone with her for many days it had been impossible for her to find them in a remote spot not once had she succeeded in getting one of them alone when she saw that it was not a fair fight she had recourse to stratagem she kept silence for a few days and they immediately became less vigilant then she brought out some wild apples which she had kept since the preceding summer she made them believe that she had seen her chance to snatch them the apples smelt delicious leaf and ingolf were immediately willing to share the supposed stolen goods with her so she succeeded in luring them into her ambush an outhouse where they could eat them quietly she let them bolt the door carefully so that they should not run the risk of being surprised she took her seat on the edge of a sledge and let the boys sit one on each side of her and then she spoke in a way to cut off all evasions and made it impossible for them to be silent any longer too late they discovered that they had been caught in a trap embarrassed and unhappy they began their confession with red faces and downcast eyes they related brokenly and alternately what had happened between them on the heath in the evening and the night each of them accused himself and excused the other but helga who listened with more than her ears only became quite clear in her mind regarding what had happened quite still she sat with bowed head and let them tell their narrative when they had finished and were silent she still remained still without moving or speaking a word at last her silence seemed so strange to leif that he lifted his head and looked at her in alarm and what he saw increased his fear she sat there by his side with her face white and as it were sunk in her eyes stared straight before her her mouth was firmly closed and tears trickled from her despairing eyes and ran down over her pale face leif felt an icy chill run through his whole body which made him shudder this drew ingolf's attention and he also looked up he had never seen his sister look like that immediately he seized one of her hands it was ice-cold and remained passive in his tears came to leif's eyes and he sat there inwardly helpless it was not possible for him to bring out a word he found nothing to say and simply dared not open his mouth for he was on the point of weeping ingolf was the first to speak he pressed his sister's limp hand shook her arm cheerfully and said you must not be so sad about that helga we have forgotten it now and each of us has certainly vowed in his heart that it shall never happen again. Helga opened her mouth to answer him, but her tongue would not obey her. She had to struggle hard to control her emotion. When she had waited a little, she at last began to speak. That is just it, she said with a broken voice. It always gets worse and worse with you, always more dangerous. When you are grown, you will not so easily get over it 
nor so easily be reconciled afterwards. Perhaps you will even fight each other. Perhaps some day one of you will kill the other. If things go on like this, there will at last be hatred between you. And what shall I do? Ingolf and Leif sat and felt very uncomfortable. Both saw for once the relation between them with her eyes. She was right. Things were growing continually worse. It was no use to shut their eyes to the danger. The next time they fell out, it might be under such circumstances as would not admit of their being reconciled again. They had not been far from that this last time. Ingolf was the first who found firm ground in his thoughts. A secret purpose was suddenly quickened in him. Hurriedly he rose and reached out his hand to Leif. "'Leif, will you be my sworn brother?' he asked quietly. And there was in his voice and bearing that adult composure which made him at times seem older than he was. Leif sprang up and took his hand. He could not bring out a word, but gripped hard. Helga remained sitting and looked from one to the other. Then she rose slowly, laid her hands over theirs, and gave each of them a kiss. "'Now you are both my brothers,' she said, and looked at the same time at Leif. Her look made Leif understand that he was more than a brother. He turned red and smiled in an embarrassed way. He had the habit of blushing easily. His embarrassed smile was very charming. They had forgotten the apples— now they were produced and helped them over the slight embarrassment which followed on their extreme seriousness. Gradually Leif and Helga talked fluently. Ingolf, on the other hand, did not say much. He sat and took a secret oath that henceforth he would be a man, and no over-hastiness of temper should master him. Nothing should by any means divide him from Leif or Helga. Now he and Leif were actually brothers, and Leif and Helga would hold by each other, he knew. Seldom had he felt so happy as at this moment. Quite unconsciously he sat and enjoyed his sense of strength and quiet. He continued so to sit till Helga roused him with a question. Thus they talked easily and enjoyed being together. When they separated, they had agreed that the solemn ceremony of initiation into blood brotherhood should take place in the spring at the great festival, which was to be held at the chief temple at Gollum. End of Book One, Chapter Six.